This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And this is going to be the episode of Deep uh, Cold Voices, or Cold <laughs> Deep Voices, because both Father and I, Father's been fighting a cold for, what, a week and a half now, Father? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not fighting anymore, but I'm clearing it out. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's the mop-up action. Uh, and I'm, I'm uh, in a similar situation. So, we apologize in advance, we will try to enunciate our words, right, Father? That is correct. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, I mentioned in in uh, our last episode that we, we had a contest, and we have a winner! Yay! Uh, and thankfully, uh, this listener, and we'll let you go anonymous this time, listener, um, because when you win again... No, no. <laughs> no uh, but, but this listener also had uh, um, uh, an idea, or a question, rather, that he was wondering if we might address in a future episode, and Father and I thought that we would uh, go ahead and talk about it this week. So, Father, take it away. Yes. So, uh, we have this uh, uh, idea for a podcast. The the winner wrote in and he said to us uh, that he recently found a book uh, about uh, praying to uh, how to pray when you're mad at God. Uh, and that's not the exact title. But we'll don't know if we want to endorse the book, so we'll leave the title out of it. But. Um, and so, and he's the the winner. Thought it looked like an interesting uh, book, and read through it, but well, came out kind of disappointed that uh, the book spent most of its time just saying, "Hey, it's okay to be mad at God," instead of actually giving some real theological depth about this issue of you know, is it even right to be mad at God, and and what does that mean, as well as then what to do when you're actually upset or overwhelmed or sorrowful, and how. Uh, how a Christian should pray and behave in in such a situation, and so that's what we would like to talk about today. Yeah, and uh, Father, for, uh, in, for me, usually this typically I don't I don't get questions or I, I'm not invited to talk about uh, about this topic when somebody's mad because they haven't gotten the Lamborghini yet that they prayed to God for, right? I mean, usually it's the context is typically uh, in suffering, um, personal suffering. Uh, suffering of a loved one, loss of a loved one, so grief. You know, it's usually when 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 someone or or when we or someone we know is suffering that that this whole question of of being angry at God and praying in the midst of being angry at God comes up. That, that's my experience. Would you have a similar thing to say? Right, right. I, and so when I when I talk about petty things here. Um, of that sort of a, although I mean, maybe your Ferrari isn't petty. Um, <laughs> but again, we're talking about those more substantial things of, um, you know, I have lived the first Saturday devotion my whole life as a parent, and yet my children don't practice their faith. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, like, you know, it's sort of like, well, God, you know, <laughs> what's going on? I've done everything you've asked me to do. Da, 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 da. Things aren't working out the way that, that they should. What's going on? And sometimes that, that often maybe even that can lead into anger at God. And, and father, in my experience, sometimes people are, um, some people at least can, can be ambivalent about expressing their anger at God. And, and oftentimes what I encourage them to do with, with prudence and, 
you know, mindful of there, there can be ex- uh, reasons not to, but, but oftentimes it's okay to be mad at God um, because the thing we have to remember is he knows already, right? I mean, it's, it's not like if, I, if I'm feeling in my heart anger towards God, justified or not, if that's what I'm feeling, it's not like we can put on a, a, a false front with God and say, oh no, every, everything's fine, honey. It's all good. You know, maybe, maybe you can do that with the people around you, although Although, as, as a married man of 14 years, my wife knows when I'm not uh, in a good mood. <laughs> she, like a book. Exactly. And God knows me even better than that. So it's not like, oh, no, Lord, every, it, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm fine with this. You know, your, your will be done. Also, there's, there, there's the importance of this. Uh, I think what you're speaking to is the importance of authenticity. Exactly. So to be authentic, authentic with God. And I, I think, you know, as you're saying that, I think of uh, Revelations 3.16, one of my verses I've actually memorized, uh, would that you are hot or cold, but you are lukewarm, and so I will vomit you out of my mouth. And how, uh, it, unless we actually address and identify this anger and actually do something with it, uh, in that way of an, an authentic dealing of this anger or whatever it might be, we run the danger of becoming lukewarm and, and having covered up or hidden that part of our life with God. We lose that intimacy with Him, and division begins to grow, and division even begins to multiply in our relationship with God. Right. We lo- So, yeah, that relationship, intimacy... It's just like a human relationship. If if I'm if I'm uh, being disingenuous, if I'm if I'm lying about how I really feel, rather than being open and honest with my wife, that's that's going to harm our relationship. Uh, God desires a relationship with us, therefore we need to be open and honest with Him. And, and I love that word, Father. Be authentic with Him. Right, and, and it's, it's not just in romantic relationships. Right, it's in business relationships, friendships. Um, I know one of the things I struggle with as a, as a priest, as a pastor, is when I, I can tell something maybe is wrong in a parishioner, whoever it might be, and I, I ask them, hey, how are things? Would you want to visit? No, Father, everything's fine. And then uh, sometimes like a month or so later, um, you notice that they, they're not going to church anymore, and then someone tells you, yeah, they're incredibly mad at this or that or another thing. You know, And you're kind of like, man, I really wish they would have said something back when I asked them, or, I, or maybe I could have asked in a different way, invited them in a different way so that we could avoid this current situation. Absolutely. So so being open with God, so again, he, especially when he already, maybe you can fool, maybe you can fool your loved ones, but you can't fool God. So so being open, honest, authentic with him. Um, and, and we see, Father, in your favorite book, and mine too, uh, <laughs> we, we see examples of of, of people expressing their their frustration, their disappointment, even their anger at God. And of course, I'm talking about sacred scripture. Uh, particularly, I, I think of the Psalms and there are other things, uh, other, other places throughout the Bible uh, where we find examples of this. But the Psalms, um, over a third of the Psalms, over, over 50 of the Psalms are psalms, psalms of lament. So not necessarily of anger at God, but at least of sorrow and frustration at the situation in which the psalmist um, and or the people of Israel, the people of God, find himself themselves. Um, and and sometimes it does become pretty directly pointed at God. So, Father, one example that I, I often give is, is Psalm 88 or it's mm. Psalm 87 in, in some um, listings where the, 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 the psalmist, whether it's King David or, or whoever it might be uh, who wrote this, 
is speaking about this. This is the, the, the title of the psalm in the translation I have, the, a prayer for help and despondency. Um, but it, it, God gets blamed by the psalmist. This is, this is a, it begins, O Lord, my God, I call for help by day. I cry out in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. So this is a psalm directed directly at God. Uh, and, but later on, it says, you have put me in the depths of the pit. In the regions dark and deep, your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made a th- me a thing of horror to them. And it goes on, um, I, 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 O Lord, I cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why do you cast me off, O Lord? Why do you hide your face from me? Your, it goes on later, your wrath has swept over me. Your dread assaults destroy me. You have caused loved one and friend to shun me. My companions are in darkness. And then this is not in there, but the end. That's the end. So it's a, it's not a, it's not a. And then at the end, the dawn rises and the sun shines. And right. The, the psalm itself is is a is a, a psalm of lamentation, despondency, as as the title reads in my translation. Uh, so Father, and and that's that's again, that's not a, a unique psalm in that way, is it? No, you know it's uh, and I that is one of those rich themes throughout, and that's that's one of the reasons why David is often referred to as a man after the heart of the Lord because of the way he prays in the Psalms. In that in that open and authentic way, you mean? Yes, revealing you know even <laughs> his his frustration. Uh, I think also of I can't remember which Psalm it is, but there's a Psalm. That's pretty much when David's being pursued by Absalom, his son. You know, he talks about how my own, uh, uh, my own intimate friend has betrayed me. You know, and just in, in right. expressing those, those angers and the, that anger in that in that clear way. Right. So we and again, the the the, the crucial thing for to, that I that I uh, try to get people to remember, this is the inspired word of God. So it's not just not only that David prayed the wrote these words, prayed these words, but that God inspired him to do so. So God gives us the words, the vocabulary by which to express our frustration at Him. In certain, at least in certain circumstances, which just you know, I, that, that's almost blows me away, Father. The, the idea that God would <laughs> not just give us permission, but even okay, when you're mad at me, say this kind of right. Well, actually, it's, it's very uh, merciful of Him to give us the right things to say, because I mean, gosh, I sure hate to sure hate to say the wrong thing to God. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if He really values what I say then, man, I'd really hate to say the wrong thing to him. Absolutely. And that even gives us then ways to express that frustration, anger, despondency, uh, for our vocabulary enrichment word of the day. Yes. Um, But it gives us that language itself, uh, helps us, because there there is an interesting issue in here, uh, which is, you know, uh, whether, you know, God has actually wronged you. Are you... Do you have a just anger to God when you're upset with Him? Mm. Mm. That's an important issue to to take a little time on. Uh, is that anger just with God? Is is that anger righteous that you have against God? Um, well, what's the nature of this sort of anger that you that you're feeling towards God? 
So that sort of, uh, to me, leads me to the next point of, you know, when we express our anger, we have to sort of stay and listen for a response. And, you know, it's, it's the expression of the anger, frustration might be the first step, but it's not the only step, certainly not the last step. Very much so. so. We have to stay in. And before, before we get into that, does the, 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 one of the classic psalms of lamentation or lament uh, is one that's quoted by Jesus himself on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The uh, famous words of Jesus as he's as he's dying on the cross from Psalm 22 or 21 in some numberings. Um, but it's important to note there just real quickly that that psalm actually is a psalm of lament, but it concludes with the, with an expression of trust and confidence in God. Uh, and so it's important to note that uh, that's the psalm that Jesus is quoting and understanding the whole thing. But anyway. Which, which again is part of that good guide for us about, about that experience. And so in that lament, in that sorrow, and in the psalm itself, you know, it is the prayer of an innocent person, of course, uh, who is more innocent than the Christ? A- Amen. And so, because uh, that innocence is proper to him, it belongs to him alone in that way. It's nothing he's received from anyone else, uh, even like the Blessed Virgin Mary, who receives her innocence as that free gift of grace. But in Christ, it's it's proper. It's it's to his person. It's who he is, that he is the innocent Lamb of God. and And here he is suffering the full weight of sin, the full weight of the punishment of sin, of of isolation, separation, betrayal, uh, the the limitations and the pain of his body, the limitations and pain of his of his mind in those moments, um, and he cries out in that, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay. uh, and so, and so that question then, so is God ever wrong, Dr. Bergwald? Did God make a mistake when he, I mean, because I can, let's continue on with the case of Jesus, uh, a very good example. Um, of course, the night before Jesus yep. died in the agony in the garden, right. he prays, Lord, if it is possible, let this chalice pass from my lips, yet not what I will, but what you will be done. Amen. Okay, so when the Father doesn't answer Jesus' prayer there, okay, did God somehow make a mistake? Was God wrong? Was God unjust in uh, allowing those punishments to befall the Christ? No. No. All right, well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. (laughs) No, and and, uh, it's an important thing. Now, we don't want to make light of anyone's suffering and... Um, Absolutely. I myself, you know, with my own suffering, small as they are, you know, have to come to grips with this fact that, you know, I've prayed and asked God for things. I've prayed and asked God for good things. You know, I prayed and asked God for the healing of my father when he suddenly became ill with kidney uh, disease of some sort and cancer and, and passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I've prayed for things in myself of conversion and changes and healings in my own uh, life of virtue and faith that God, to the outside appearance, doesn't seem to have answered. But that doesn't mean that God is in some way wrong. Right. Right. That's where, you know, and that's to me, this is the hard thing. Because what we need to do when we express our anger, in when we're being honest and open and authentic with God in our prayer, and we use the Psalms or even our own words and express our frustration or even anger with him, but then we stay and listen for the response. The response is, is I, th- I think, 
well, 99.9, maybe there's some minuscule chance that God will respond this way, but most of the time God does not spell out in a clear syllogistic fashion, well, this is why, uh, Chris, I, I, I allowed this to happen or, or I didn't, didn't, uh, intervene in this situation, A, then B, therefore C, you know, not, not something like that where, oh, I, Lord, that makes perfect sense to me. That's typically the vast majority, if not all the time, that's not how God responds. He responds, but not in that way. And so I need to listen and be prepared for a different kind of answer. Right, Father? Right. Um, uh, And this really becomes, uh, for many of us, a time and a moment of conversion. And actually, uh, after the experience of it, we might even look on it as a great grace, as a great uh, gift of our Lord to have this this time of purifying um, of of what we're asking of God and, and what He actually does, and and how the two things uh, uh, match up, and how He calls us closer to Himself, and the ways that He gives us the, the ways that He responds to us, and the ways uh, that He calls us to to continue on in relationship with Him in that moment. So, what are some some uh, some ways that we might need to be purified? What, what, what sort of conversion might we need to undergo in, in circumstances like this? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, in the example of the book of Job, um, and uh, if you've never read the book of Job, dear listeners, uh, go do it. We'll wait. All right. Now that you're and, um, <laughs> well, they can press pause. Um, Not on the radio. No, I can't on the radio. And, uh, uh, but, uh, so anyways, so read the book of Job, and where Job is, again, a righteous one who suffers, you know, and, and, um, he, he never really accuses God. He doesn't, he doesn't get mad at God, per se. He doesn't, well, I should say, he doesn't, he never curses God. He never blasphemes against God. Right. He's always very careful in that regard, right. which is good advice, dear listener. Yes. Not blaspheme, uh, God in your anger. That's actually just maybe just a little sidetrack, a good distinction about anger and what sort of anger is good with God is, is there is anger that in the sense um, might be uh, righteous, not in the sense of its source, that there was a true wound done against us, but righteous in the sense of how we exercise it. And so that um, when we're angry at God, we're never cursing the name of God, we're never pledging disbelief in God, uh, we're never using it as a cause uh, for us or reason for us to, you know, sin by missing Mass or by uh, some sort of sin of indulgence in the midst of that anger, right? Right. Is it, so is that what you, because I was going to ask you, you know, we use the word, and it's it's a known word, blasphemy. But what exactly is blasphemy? Is that it, those the examples that you just gave are at least some of those examples of blasphemy? Um, I think those are good examples. I don't have a, a clear textbook definition at the top of my head, and if you do, you I, know, do I don't either right now, actually. Okay. So I think blasphemy in this place, though, is to um, to 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 degrade the name of God, yeah. to speak directly against God. I think maybe in my word instead of. Uh, kind of etymologically thinking here, thinking by the nature of words, is the word malediction. Oh, sure. Uh, so an evil word against God. So blasphemy in some ways, an evil word against God, or also using sacred things in a profane way. Sure, sure. Yep. Okay. And also blasphemy as well, in the sense of a sin, in the sense because we're, we're 
we're misusing our own body, our own consecrated, baptized, confirmed temple of the Lord. We're misusing it and purposely misusing it out of spite or anger against God. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And, and that's where this can become a poison. That's where this suffering that we're experiencing become, can become a poison if we don't deal with it correctly. Okay. So, so we shouldn't blaspheme God. And so we're talking about anger and, and, and the sense of just anger and not. And, yeah, the, and then going back to Job and how Job expressed his anger okay. in the book of Job. Okay. Yep. So, so what did Job, so, so Job doesn't blaspheme God, he, you know, but yet how does it end at the end of the book? What's, what's the ending? Right. Well, of course, the end ending is that uh, uh, Job's uh, good blessings are restored to him, right. which is a, a great gift, a great blessing, and an unusual one in the story of sufferings. Right. Uh, but also, uh, uh, certainly, a promise to us that in the midst of our own sufferings, uh, God will work out some good. God will work out some maximum good for us if we trust Him in the midst of it. Absolutely. That actually gets a little ahead of things here, maybe towards where we want to end today. But uh, uh, the first part is where this idea of conversion we were talking about, this opportunity of suffering or anger can be that opportunity of conversion uh, in our life of faith. And so God actually appears and addresses Job out of a storm cloud. You know, and it starts out, Who is this that obscures divine plans with words of ignorance? Gird up your loins now like a man. I will question you, and you will tell me the answers. Because Job has been questioning God. Why is this happening, God? Why are you right. allowing this to happen? And, uh, and there's this long stretch of, of God asking questions, you know, um, to Job. Uh, you know, do you give the horse his strength? Do you endow his neck with splendor? Right? Did you form the constellations? Right? Did you uh, put the stars in their course? Did you make uh, the the behemoth, the hippopotamus, that feeds on grass like an ox? Right? Um, all these sorts of questions. And and Job has this conversions, and he says that this is in chapter forty-two. So it started in what chapter thirty-eight, right? Yep, seven, chapter thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty. Uh, there's this um, long uh, long struggle with Job. Um, and, uh, and in chapter 41, uh, and then in chapter 42, um, or this long kind of, uh, uh, challenge of God to, to Job. And then Job responds saying, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be hindered. I have dealt with great things that I do not understand things too wonderful for me, which I cannot know. I've heard of you by word of mouth, but now my eye has seen you. Therefore, I disown what I have said, and I repent in dust and ashes. So, dear listeners, how do we kind of sum up that response of Job? Right? Right. And so really, it's, it's a time of Job putting his faith in God, and faith in the wonders God has done. And saying, you know, I don't understand your designs, and yes, I'm suffering, but in the midst of my suffering, I trust you. So Job doesn't disown his sufferings. Right, it is, he disowns in a sense his his words of, of questions and makes an act of abandonment or trust in the Lord. Right, and then of course, then Job is restored uh, to what was what was lost uh, to him previously. So the, the, there's a as you said, there's a con, a, a conversion that happens, and 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 
obviously the, to me the, the takeaway is that that's something that we can all be aware of even when we're not suffering um you know sometimes i think father it's easy for us to fall into sort of a transactional relationship with god uh well i was good today so lord you should you know and, and again not the not in the very superficial way you should give me a ferrari uh but, but even you know more subtle ways we can expect that um, we have a claim upon God because we go to Mass every Sunday yep. and because we're generally moral people and even because we pray on a daily basis that right. somehow God has incurred a debt that he owes us because of that. And in the, that's the sort of thing you mean, you mean right? When we, our, when we can, be, this conversion or purification that, that, we need, that, that we need to undergo and that can often happen in, in the midst of suffering when we express our anger, Right. Right, that we forget that our prayer, our going to Mass, is actually the repayment or an act of payment. It won't never fully, it will never fully repay, but an act of our own payment to the debt that we owe to God for our life. Right, right. So anything else about this idea of conversion or purification that you think is, is worth mentioning? Well, I, I think... Um, I, I think we said enough. I think it'd be good to go to this idea then of of that time of trust and that fruit of that conversion, which is that trust. Okay. Because um, I think in, uh, because in, also it's important for us as Catholics to be able to know this and to experience this in our own life, to be able to model it for others who who don't know it. Right. Uh, for those who do, because there is great suffering in our world. Absolutely. And uh, uh, so to be able to model that, which is one of the fruits of it. To the model, and then to console others in their own suffering. Um, but but certainly, as that as that trust is restored, our life, our relationship with God changes. A new richness is found. A new life is found, which in that way, kind of, we we experience a parallel or a modeling or living out of the resurrection in our own lives. And that's what I was going to say. You know, so we, again, looking back to Jesus on the cross, and 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 his his. Um he wasn't restored. He didn't receive double things on this side of it. He died, obviously. He died on the cross. But then, you know, death is, you know, I think of, of Easter Vigil. Oh, death, where's that victory? Oh, death, where's thy sting? Obviously, again, we're not belittling anybody's suffering, but we have to remember that death and suffering do not have the last word. Correct. And, and to be renewed in that, to be restored in that, to be able to assist others uh, who struggle in that way. Uh, who struggle in that darkness to be able to say to them, okay, I know, I understand what you're experiencing, but I, I encourage you, now is the time to trust. And and to give them short prayers. Like like what? Any examples uh, come to mind? Uh, Lord, bring good out of my suffering. Mm. Uh, Jesus, I trust in you. Right. Something as simple as the Divine Mercy Chaplet, Jesus, I trust in you, prayed. Um, pray, prayed in that time is, is a great grace. I think of uh, Psalm 43 in this regard, one of my favorite uh, lament psalms, which has this little phrase, uh, Why are you cast down my soul? Why groan within me? Hope in God, I will praise him still, my Savior and my God. Amen. And even uh, like today, we have the story of the Syrophoenician woman uh, in the Gospels, uh, the daily Mass reading for Wednesday of the 18th week of Ordinary Time. Uh, and where her faith is challenged, and she responds, and God and Jesus is just overjoyed to say, "Woman, great is your faith." And we pray that He could say that about all our faiths. Amen. 
So if you have any follow-up questions about this, and I forgot to mention the e- beginning, Father, the email address, but if, if you want to hear more about this or for, ask further questions or other ideas for future uh, future episodes, we're going to wrap this one up, but but email me with, with any questions you have. cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.